If you have your Bibles, if you would, go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. We're going to pick up in verse 3 today and make our way through verse 8. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the gifts today. The gifts that God gives to His church to serve Him and to serve one another. As I was considering this, I was thinking about a story in the Old Testament, um, Pharaoh. Uh, you may be familiar with it. God called Moses into the land of Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let his people, God's people, the Israelites, go from their Egyptian bondage. And they were going to go into a land that God was going to give them. Pharaoh was not, not okay with that. And so initially when Moses came there, Pharaoh uh, was very arrogant, very offensive, offended, and he made it harder on the, the Israelites. And so he actually said the, the task that had been laid upon them to build, uh, he was going to make it even harder on them for, for this. And so they were initially at least given the materials that they needed to build, but Pharaoh said now they're not even going to have that. It's not only are they going to have to do everything that they were doing before, but they're going to have to find the materials to do it. And so obviously that was a very cruel and harsh thing for him to do. And uh, the people's burden was already unbearable and so much more after that. And as I was considering that, I was thinking, you know, God is so different than that. God is our Master, but He is our heavenly, loving Father. And God calls us to serve Him. But God gives us everything that we need. He gives us more than enough. I began to consider this and I thought, you know, first off, God set us free from bondage. God called us out of slavery. He redeemed us and He made us new. He made us His, His covenant people whom He loves and lavishes blessings upon. And He has done that through the Gospel. The Gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. When we were dead in our trespass and sin, when we were separated from God, when we were enemies of God, God made a way for us to be saved. For us to be forgiven. For us to be delivered and brought into a relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ. His Son lived the life that we could not live, and He did for us what we could not do for ourselves, and then He died the death. He took the penalty that we all deserved upon Himself. God's wrath that was meant for you and I was poured out on His Son there on the cross, and it was finished. It was paid for. Sins washed away. The sin debt wiped away, canceled forevermore. And so, Jesus, as you know, was lowered into the grave. He rose three days later, and He was victorious. Amen? And so if we put our trust in Him, we put our faith in Him and who He is and what He has done, and uh, we trust in Him for salvation, we will be saved. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And so that's what God does. But then He doesn't stop there. God gives us His Holy Spirit. God gives us His Holy Spirit to seal us, to lead us, to to change us, to teach us, to convict us of our sin, to comfort us. And God gives us gifts. God gives us everything that we need. He gives us the power and the ability to do His will. He gives us the power and the ability to serve Him and to serve each other. And that to me is so amazing. God does that. That's our God. And so with that, we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts today in Romans chapter 12. And so we're going to do a two-part message here. We're going to begin to get into some of the gifts today. We're going to go through the text and kind of springboard from the text 
into the gifts and then we'll stop and next week we'll pick up and we'll continue on considering the gifts. And so with that, let me read our text. Romans chapter, let's say 12 verse 3. Sorry, I was in the wrong place. Okay. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let's ask the Lord's blessing upon the teaching. Father, this is Your Word, and we desire to hear from You. Thank You, God, that indeed Your Word is living and active. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, You are able to cut deep. We pray that You would do that, God. That You would reveal Yourself to us. That You would reveal Your will, Your heart. That You would help us to understand how we can better serve You, better know You, better love You, better obey You. And we trust, God, that You are here and that You're moving in our midst, God. And that You are glorified. And that You will teach us in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so the first thing that we have in our text here, it's a warning. Paul gives a warning against what I would call self-importance. A warning against self-importance. So verse 3, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So Paul says, I say by the grace given to me, so Paul recognized that any authority that he had, any credibility that he had, was given to him by God. Even that was the grace of God. So Paul's authority, Paul's apostleship, that was a, a divinely given gift to him from which he was able to speak to the church. And so with that authority, with that apostolic authority, he said, I'm talking to everyone among you. Notice that. To everyone who is among you. So who is that? It's everyone. It's everyone in the church. So this is every single person in this room sitting in these seats. Uh, that is you. It is me. Everyone who is among the body of Christ, everyone who is reading this letter or hearing it read publicly, it is to them. So help, let us recognize that. It wasn't just for that audience nearly 2,000 years ago. It's for this audience here in this room today, Calvary Napa. And then he says this, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. It's interesting to me that, that Paul starts with this. And we're in the context of spiritual gifts. We're in the context of spiritual gifts. It's important for us to understand that. And so what's interesting to me is from where Paul is writing the letter of Romans. Does anybody remember? Hmm? He's, no, he's writing from Corinth. Paul is writing from Corinth and this is a year or two after he wrote 1 Corinthians. And you may recall in 1 Corinthians, he had to deal with all kinds of abuses that were happening with the gifts. 
So Paul understood that when dealing with the spiritual gifts, as glorious as they are, there is inevitably some things that need to be cleaned up. There are some pitfalls that we have to watch out for. And so I heard a pastor say one time, I would much rather have a church using the gifts and it's messy and there are issues and I can pastor them through it and help them to fine-tune those gifts and to understand how to walk in them biblically than have a church that does, doesn't use the gifts at all. Sometimes we've seen abuse of gifts and so our tendency is to just say, well, forget that, and then we, we stray away from using our gifts whatsoever. You know, and Paul said that these things are to be done in or, with, with order and structure, the gifts. Let all things be done uh, with order and decency. And um, we get so caught up on the things being done in order and properly that we forget that the Bible says, let these things be done. So we are to be walking in the gifts. We are to be using them. But Paul understood that there's potential for issues to arise. You're dealing with humans and and we have a propensity to get sinful in, in various ways. So he speaks to the issue of pride. And he says that we ought not to think more highly of ourselves when uh, it comes to the gifts. And the reality is, some people do look down on other people uh, when it comes to certain gifts. They may think that the gift they have is very special and that everyone else should have that gift too. And they look down on other people who don't have it. And we'll talk more about that um, here in a moment. But I've actually had a, an experience like that um, I had a well-meaning brother that felt I ought to be speaking in tongues. And so he took me aside one day and told me how he was going to teach me to speak in tongues. And, and so he told me to start making noises, just, you know, blue, blah, dee, da, I mean, just like that. And he started praying, and I just was so uncomfortable, I didn't know what to do. And so I just kind of had to stop him, and I said, Brother, I'm sorry, I, I don't think that's right, I can't do that. And he said, uh, well, you know, that's okay. He said, early on, when I was like you, I, I had a lot of the devil in me still too. And uh, I'm like, geez Louise, so I can't do this because I've got the devil in me? And so, you know, it's funny now, but sometimes we can do that and uh, maybe even come across as though there's something wrong with this person because they don't have a particular gift. Some people think they possess gifts they don't actually have. You know, and uh, that can that can do some real damage. So we have to have a good dose of humility when it comes to understanding the gifts that God gives us and uh, how to use them in a way that is actually a blessing to the body and glorifying to God because that's the purpose of the gifts. It is to edify the church, to build up the church, to serve the Lord. And, you know, there's how can we ever be prideful when it comes to something that has been given to us in the first place? Paul asked the question in 1 Corinthians, what do you have that you haven't received? And if you have received it, why do you boast as if you haven't? And so recognizing that anything that God gives us for His glory and for the benefit of other people, it's purely grace, it's purely a gift from God. We can never begin to exalt ourselves and think that we're so special or we're so great. And so Paul says the remedy to this is to think soberly. Don't think of yourself too highly or more highly than you ought to, but think soberly, with sober judgment, the ESV says. And so the word there, it's sophroneo, and it literally means safety-minded, safety-minded, having a sober outlook that reflects true balance. And the, uh, the root 
word there is the word from which we get diaph- the diaphragm. And if you know anything about anatomy, which I know very little, uh, all I know about the diaphragm is that it's a muscle that helps uh, us assist with breathing. And so it, it regulates our breathing, essentially. And that's the idea here. You've got to regulate that tendency to get prideful, to get arrogant. And uh, you have to keep that in check. So you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think with sober judgment, with, uh, with careful safety-mindedness, as it says literally. And that's important because guess what, folks? Some people... They think too highly of themselves, but I think more times than not, people think too low. People think too low, and so it can either be self-exaltation or it can be self-degradation. And I think sometimes that, that can be even worse. Um, some people just think, oh, I don't have any gifts, or my gifts are just not important. It wouldn't be a help to anybody. I don't have that guy's gift over there. They have the spirit of Eeyore upon them, you know? And so... Uh, we're not to be like that either. We're not to be like that either. Both, both are pride and a lack of faith. So we're not to think too highly, and we're not to think too poorly of ourselves. We're to have sober judgment. We're to regulate that tendency, and uh, we are to move forward in faith. Move forward in faith. So, um, it says, for each has been dealt a measure of faith. And so as I was considering this, I was thinking, you know, regarding the gifts, you know, we were saved through faith by grace, by grace through faith. We are preserved um, through faith by grace, and even our service to the Lord, it's the same. It's by God's grace, and it's through faith. So every aspect of the Christian life, it is God's grace, and it's through faith. Amen? And so Paul is saying, don't think more highly or too low of yourself. Move forward in faith. Trust the Lord. Walk in His giftings and serve one another. Because this brings me to point two. Point one was it's a warning against self-importance. Point two is it's not about me, it's about us. It's not about me, it's about us. Verse four. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we are many people who collectively make up the body of Christ, the local assembly. And so we understand that. It's such a beautiful picture that the Bible gives us of the body. And it makes perfect sense. It's not something that you have to overthink to understand. We all play a part. The body has many different members, but it all works together for a common purpose. And so that is us. And we have different personalities. We have different giftings. Um, we are all so very different, but we come together under the banner of Christ. We love Him. We serve Him. And God uses us, and we are collectively a body. And so there are many assemblies, if you will. There's the, the universal church, that is, the believers that have existed and throughout different ages and the believers that are even in heaven right now, and the believers that are all around the earth, we are part of one church. We are the, the body of Christ. But then there's also the local gatherings. And so we are one of the local gatherings or bodies, if you will, of Christ here in Napa even. And so uh, understanding that if God has called you here, you're part of a body, you're part of a family, and you have something to bring. You have something to offer that is necessary to the body. 
And if you don't do that, then the body is sick. The body is functioning less than it should be. And so we don't have all the same function, as he says here. We are, at the same time, uh, individuals. We have individuality. So we are one corporately, but at the same time, we're not a bunch of robots trying to be just like each other. We are individuals. And that's such a, a glorious thing. And there should be diversity within the body of Christ. And it's amazing how God can take diversity and bring about such unity. It's one of the, one of the special things about the church. So one of the things that's supposed to make us different and stand out is, is our, our unity and our love for one another and diversity. And so with that, recognizing that we have to be very careful we not, or not to think too highly of ourselves, we have to recognize that it's not about me, but it's about us. Paul is now going to say you need to use your gifts. You need to recognize that we are to be serving and blessing each other. So verse 6, we'll pick up. It says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So here we have it, the call to use our gifts. We are one body in Christ. We all are uniquely blessed by God uh, with, with various gifts for the purpose of serving Him. And so Paul says, use your gifts. Use your gifts. So I want to start by talking about what, what we're actually getting at here. And this is body ministry. Body ministry. It's one another ministry. I'm not the professional minister that stands up here and does all the ministry, you come and receive and then go home and that's that. No, we are all ministers in here. We are all called to serve the Lord and to serve each other. And so when we start talking about the, the function of the gifts in the church, that's what we're talking about. One another ministry, body ministry. And the New Testament is very big on this. Uh, there's a, a phrase in the Greek, it's all alone, and it's, uh, it's two words in the English, it's one another. And it's used 47 times in the New Testament when dealing with Christian conduct, how we are to engage and uh, relate and bless one another. And so I wanted to read a list of these. Obviously, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but just a handful to help you understand, get the sense of what I'm talking about here. And so it says, bear one another's burdens, speak truth to one another, confess your sins to one another, comfort one another, encourage and build up one another, stir up one another to good works, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another, serve one another, and on and on and on the list goes. So you understand we as a church are called by God, called by Jesus, to serve one another. And so how do we do that? We do that with the gifts that God has given us. So, these gifts. The word here, gifts, is charisma in the Greek. And so you may have heard of uh, charismatic, the charismatic church. Those are uh, classified that because they put a strong emphasis on the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. And so that's why they're, they're called charismatic. It comes from that Greek word. And so this word gift here, it literally means grace endowment. 
grace endowment. It's something that God gives us and He gives it to us in a very gracious way. We don't deserve it. Obviously, we don't deserve anything good that God gives us, but He does give us so many wonderful blessings, and this is, this is one of them. It's a, it's a grace gift. And it divinely empowers a believer to share God's work with others, i.e. Spirit-empowered service to the church to carry out His plan for His people. And so God gives us these grace gifts to be able to engage in one another ministry for the health and the encouragement and the strengthening of the body. And this is according to the grace given us, as Paul says there uh, in the text. So it's according to the Spirit, and it's all by God's grace that we have these giftings. So I wanted to take a minute and just talk in general about these gifts before we start to get into some of them. And we're not going to cover all the gifts today because it would take way too long to do that. And I, ha- I kind of have them categorized, and I'll talk about that in a moment. So certain categories we'll discuss today, and we'll leave the rest for next week. But the first thing I want to note about these gifts, when God gives you a gift, there's just something very special about that gift. Other people might even have some of the same talents or abilities, but when you use that gift, God just blesses it in a very special way. I'll just use music. For example, I believe that music is certainly a gift from God. And you can have a variety of people who are all fairly gifted with music, but then in a general way. But then you have those people who God calls in a very special way and gifts them to bless the body. And when they play, it's just like the heavens open up. You just are ushered into God's presence. And it's a very special and unique thing that happens because God gave them that gift and God empowers that gift for His service and for the blessing of His people. Teaching can be the same thing. You can have someone who, two guys that teach the same message and you listen to it with one guy and it just falls to the ground. You're struggling to to even stay awake. But then you have another guy who's gifted by God to teach and you're hanging on every word. I mean, it just pierces to the core. God speaks to you and you know you're hearing from God. That's because it's a spiritual gift and all the gifts are like that. There's just that, you know, for lack of better words, that X factor. Or, to use a more biblical term, that anointing um, that God places on a person when He gives them those particular gifts, whatever they may be. Now we, odds are, most of us in here, Christians, have multiple gifts. Uh, generally, someone may have one particular gift that they're very good at and that they use for God's glory, but we may even have multiple gifts. And so you need to recognize that. Um, it's important to know what your gifts are and uh, to use all of them. And so I kind of recognize that about myself early on. I had a desire to teach God's Word, and that, that's more of a, a spotlight kind of a deal. You're out in front of the, the people, and that is very challenging for me. That's not my personality, but I'm also very much a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, and I would love to do hands-on work. I love to serve. And so I found a variety of ways in which I could do both. I could teach and at the same time work behind the scenes. And so we odds are everyone in here may have a number of gifts that God has given you. Some gifts come and go. Sometimes God will give you a gift in the moment. And you'll use it, and then all of a sudden you don't have it. For some people, you may have an opportunity to share your faith with somebody, and it is like it just comes out beautifully. 
and you're shocked that you just said that, and you don't even know how you knew that. You didn't even think you knew that verse, or whatever the case may be. And then afterwards, you go to tell somebody about this interaction that you had, and you try to, in a sense, repeat it, and for the life of you, you can't, you can't get it out. I mean, you're stumbling all over yourself, and it's like, what in the world happened? God used you in that moment. God gave you a supernatural gift for His purpose in that moment. And so recognizing some gifts God gives us, and we can use it at any point in time, there are occasions when God will give us a gift for the moment. Now we have different gifts. These gifts are differing. They're not all the same. There's no particular gift that every single Christian ought to have. And in certain circles, the one gift that people will say that everyone should have is the gift of tongues. And we're going to talk about those gifts next week. But that is just not a scriptural precept. The Holy Spirit gifts people according to His own will. And it looks very different. Paul even asked these uh, rhetorical questions and he says, does everyone speak in tongues? And the obvious answer is no, they don't. And so... You should never feel pressure to have a particular gift. You need to be okay with and walk in the gift that God gives you and not to think, not to get down on yourself or to feel less than because you don't have a particular gift. Uh, recognize that there needs to be that diversity. And Paul talks about that. Imagine if the body were just a hand or one big eye or you know something like that. That would be kind of weird, obviously. And so... Uh, the the point is clear. We we can't all be doing the same thing. I'm sure you've been in situations where you realize there's a whole bunch of chiefs and there's no Indians, right? And so, you know, can't everybody be a supervisor? Can't everybody be a pastor? Um, we have to embrace our diversity and walk in that. And so, uh, here's here's a little caution I would give you: Beware the that's not my gift. Um, sometimes that, that's a very Christianese kind of thing you'll hear. Well, that's not my gift. And so that's my, you know, I don't have to do it now. Um, a lot of these gifts, they may, may be special gifts that individuals have and God uses in extraordinary ways. But some of these things we're all supposed to be doing as Christians. And so we'll be talking about that as we go. But recognizing that um, we cannot use that, that's not my gift. Um, and then lastly, uh, this was you know, kind of a personal experience for me, but I would say pray for the gifts. If you, if you feel like you don't have a gift or you don't know what that gift is, you might be surprised you do and you just haven't discovered it. Uh, but I would also encourage you to even ask the Lord if there's something on your heart that you would desire to have uh, to, to bless the Lord and to bless His people. Um, I had that experience uh, early on in my walk. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I just didn't really know the Bible that well, and I didn't know if I could teach it even if I did know it. But I just had this burning fire in me that I wanted to be able to communicate God's Word. And so I was meeting with a brother from a, a Calvary Chapel in South Carolina. We were at the lake, and uh, he began to pray for me. And it was a really uh, extraordinary experience. Um, as he was praying for me, he had his hands on my shoulders. Um, the wind just really picked up and started blowing. And, you know, we were at the lake, so it could have just been a windy day at the lake. I, I get that. And so I don't want to make too much out of that. But uh, it definitely stood out to me. And so I noticed he began to kind of speak in tongues under his breath. And then he said, Rob, would you like the gift of tongues? And I said, No. 
Um, I want to teach God's Word. That is what I desire. And I said, I really want to be able to effectively communicate God's truth to people. And so um, that was his prayer for me. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If there's a, something in your heart, something that you desire to be good at and to be able to bless people with, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord, the one who gives generously, liberally. And then finally Paul says, let us use our gifts. Use your gift. If you have a gift, if you have a number of gifts, praise God and serve Him. Use your gifts. And so with that, I'm going to begin to talk about what some of these gifts are. Now in this text here in Romans, he actually gives a list. He mentions seven gifts. And this is not an exhaustive list. And that's one of the points I want to make. Whenever you see the gifts mentioned throughout the New Testament, it's never an exhaustive list. I think there are a number of gifts that aren't even mentioned in the Bible. Um, just like I would say in the same way where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. I would say that's not an exhaustive list. There are a number of fruits that are listed there, but there are others that I think are not, like gratitude, for instance, or humility. And so I think in the same way with the gifts of the Spirit, there are a number of gifts in the Bible, but I think there are so many that aren't uh, mentioned, and that's kind of cool to think. And so, discovering what that gift is for you. So, here Paul speaks of prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, and mercy. And so, we're going to work through these uh, a little more carefully here in a moment. But that is the list that is mentioned here. And prophecy, we'll be talking about next week. So when dealing with the spiritual gifts, there's um, basically four different passages that you can go to. So for the note takers in here, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8-10, through 10, and then verse 28, that's one list of the gifts. Ephesians 4, 11, that's another list. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, you'll find some gifts there. And then obviously the text that we're in today, Romans chapter 12, verses 6-8, through 8, uh, there are gifts there. And so as you look through them, you can compile approximately 20 gifts. It can get a little confusing. There may be some overlap, but that's what you have roughly. Now, four of those gifts, the ones that are mentioned in Ephesians, are what I would call positional gifts, or it's, it's an office that someone holds. And so you have the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, and the pastor-teacher. So those are four different offices, if you will, or positions. And we're going to talk about those next week. And then there are what are called the sign gifts. The gifts that are of a more miraculous nature. Um, when you see that happen, you recognize something has happened. God has moved uh, in, a, in a way that is um, not humanly possible. And so those gifts are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. So those are the positional gifts and the sign gifts. The reason they're called sign gifts is because it's, it's like a, a sign. Something miraculous has happened and people recognize God is moving. And so we're going to talk about those gifts next week a little more in detail. Um, it can be a controversial topic and we as Calvary Chapel, we believe that those gifts continue on to this very day. And so we're called continuationist. We do not believe that the gifts have ceased. 
Those who believe that those gifts are no longer happening today are called cessationists. They believe those gifts have ceased. And so we'll get into all of that next week. It's important for us to understand those things. So for today, for the remainder of our uh, message, we're going to be talking about practical gifts. The very practical, seemingly common, everyday types of gifts that God has given for us to use in His church. And let me just say, so many of these gifts can be used outside of the church too. Because the church is not these four walls, right? What is the church? Who is the church? We are, exactly. And so the church gathers oftentimes outside of these walls. And so we're to use these gifts in any setting as the church. So mercy. Mercy is a gift. And this is someone who has a very unusual uh, compassion. They feel deeply for people who are hurting, for people who are struggling. And it's not to say that people who don't have this gift don't care. Um, and I think sometimes people can really struggle with um, not feeling for people and, and maybe just needing to slow down and pray that God would give them compassion because Jesus certainly had compassion when He saw the multitudes scattered like sheep without a shepherd he was moved to compassion. And so we should be compassionate, period, as Christians. We want to be like Jesus. But there are people who are um, just moved in a very deep way. And I, I have known men and women who have this gift, and God does use that gift in a very special way. So often, God will draw people to you, and God will give you this heart. Sometimes people need to feel that. They need to sense that love. They need to sense that care and that concern. And God will give you the words. And like I said, it, it's one of those supernatural things where when you are ministering to somebody, uh, they know. I mean, there's just something very special happening there. And it, it does have an effect on the person for good. They are uplifted. They are encouraged. They are strengthened. And so... The gift of mercy is a, a beautiful gift. And as I said, I've known people who have, uh, who have that gift. And um, that's a gift, honestly, I uh, as a pastor need and would desire to have all the more. And notice that Paul said there that the one who has mercy ought to do so with cheerfulness. Um, the thing about that gift is it can almost be, I think, crushing at times when you connect to somebody and you're really trying to love them and encourage them. Uh, you can carry that pain so deeply that it begins to affect you in an adverse way. And I've seen that happen before, especially with pastors. They can't sleep at night. You know, they do counseling sessions, they understand the grief, and they can't even sleep because they feel that, they carry that. And so Paul says, look, you have to do it with cheerfulness. You have to do it with gladness of heart. You don't want to let it um, get to you. And uh, the person who has mercy, who is dealing with people who have issues all the time could even potentially become hardened or exhausted or drained. Or, uh, and it's important for the person with this gift to, uh, to be very uh, careful about self, self um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, to be able to basically keep your tank full. You need to be taking care of yourself spiritually. You need to be taking in the Word of God and praying and being strong spiritually because it is draining, is it not? When you're pouring your heart out and you're, you're encouraging someone and you're expressing this gift, it can really take it out of you. So 
uh, Paul says there in Romans, this is to be done with cheerfulness. The next gift is giving. The gift of giving. And again, you know, um, this is something that we're all to do. And so I think if anyone were going to pull the that's not my gift card, this might be the one, right? And so um, we're all called to give in many different ways to the Lord. But there are some people who God uniquely blesses with this gift. They have the resources. God is able to get them the resources resources that they need to bless other people. I've heard it said that if God can get it through you, He can get it to you. Uh, For some people, the problem is once it gets to them, it's not going anywhere else. And so the people who have the gift of giving generally will dispense it where the needs are and God will just keep blessing and keep the resources coming. And I've also noticed that oftentimes people who have the gift of mercy also have the gift of giving. And I've seen that in action. Uh, I knew a brother in particular that was fairly well off and he he had the gift of mercy. He was a very compassionate and a man who would uh, have a, a broken heart for people and he would be generous toward them. And I remember him telling me regarding the gift of giving, he said, I know when the Lord is leading me to give because generally I'm a, you know, I'm a tightwad. You know, that guy's wallet is like an impenetrable vault. Uh, you're not going to get that thing cracked open. You have to have a pry bar. But when God is calling him to give, he just knows. Uh, he has this peace about it. He's glad to be generous. And so um, sometimes you'll see those giftings working together. So the gift of mercy, the gift of giving. Um, leadership, the gift of leadership. Um, This is kind of the visionary. Uh, God gives somebody um, direction, gives them a vision. They know where they're going. They know how to get there. They tend to have people that follow them. I have seen people in the past who were convinced that they were called to lead. The only problem is nobody was following them. And so uh, God gives leaders to His church to lead the church, uh, to assist the pastor in leading various ministries. And so that is such a wonderful gift. And I think people who are leaders, they know it. And people who are not leaders, they know it, generally. It's like the last thing that they would want to do because there's great responsibility that comes with it. And Paul says there in Romans that the one who leads ought to do so with zeal. They ought to lead with great zeal. And again, I think um, a person who leads can be, uh, get burned out. They can get discouraged. Oftentimes, uh, they, are, they can be the one to get attacked. Maybe you've heard the saying, it's, it's lonely at the top. You ever heard that before? It's lonely at the top. I had a pastor friend who was really struggling, and uh, he was very discouraged. It was very obvious. You could see it. And a, a, a brother, an elder from his church came to him, and he noticed it. And he put his arm around him, and he said, you know, it's lonely at the top, isn't it? And the pastor said, yeah, yeah, it is. He said, well, good news, you're not at the top. (laughs) Jesus is, so, you know, suck it up. And so that really ministered to to the pastor, believe it or not. I mean, I think there are times when we can be harsh, uh, but I think the brother that said that to him probably had uh, had the gift of exhortation. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And uh, that was just what the guy needed to hear. And it really turned it around for him, you know. And so, um, leadership. Uh, the next, administration. Uh, these two can overlap a little bit, but they, they are uh, distinct from one another. And so, administrators 
are people who see things in a very structured and ordered way. They know how to get things done. Um, I think we all probably know some of these people. You may be that person. Um, you know, you get excited when you go to Staples or Office Depot. Um, you know, that's like your dream in life is to just go places like that. You're all about organization and coordination, implementation. You know, leaders oftentimes have a vision. They just don't know how to accomplish that vision. And so um, they need administrators. And you'll see this. The visionary, the leader is like, man, we're going to do this. And then the administrator says, yes, but have you considered this, 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 and this? And sometimes it can almost sink the leader because they're like, dang, but that is necessary. And oftentimes uh, leaders and administrators um, can really get on each other's nerves. You know, um, the administrators are like, yeah, this guy is just being a hippie over here and he's all over the place and he's not realizing these kinds of things have to happen to get the job done. And I've, I've seen people in that setting and it's, it's funny to watch. God uses them so beautifully together, but at the same time, they're always wanting to wring each other's necks. Um, sometimes you see people who have both gifts. They are a leader and they are an administrator and God uses them in extraordinary ways to get things done. Teaching is the next gift. It's just an ability to very effectively communicate God's truth, God's Word. And so, um, even within the church, elders uh, are called to be able to teach, but then you have some elders who are uniquely gifted to teach. And uh, that is more their ministry. It's a teaching ministry. And so, there are men who are able to teach that are not in a pastor or elder role. They teach in men's Bible studies, or they may teach in the youth ministry, children's ministry, women the same. Women are gifted to teach, and we believe that um, men are, the, are called to lead and to teach from the pulpit, namely, but women are very gifted at times and able to teach, and they teach other women, they teach in the, the children's ministry um, context, and so we definitely encourage women who have a desire to teach to, to harness that gift, to use it, and to teach, to be a blessing to their sisters. Um, exhortation. This is not so much teaching as it is kind of calling people to action. And sometimes you can get the two confused. Somebody can really have a desire to just call people to action, and they can be abrupt at times. Uh, they really want to challenge folks. Um, and they might not necessarily be a teacher. They may try to work their way through Scripture systematically, and it just really is not working. It's falling apart. But if they're able to land in a certain place and begin to drive the point home and really call people to action, you'll see them shine in that. And so, exhortation. Um, and then you have pastors, teachers, who are also at the same time exhorters. And I would say the gift of encouragement is somewhat connected to this. Some people are uniquely blessed to encourage folks. Have you ever had an encourager around you and they just speak that word and it lifts you up? And uh, I have known those folks. I, I desire to be that so often. Um, who doesn't love encouragement? Who doesn't need encouragement? We're all called to be encouragers and to encourage folks. But God gives those special people to His church. And then there's the gift of service. This is a very broad term. Uh, it's also translated ministry. And so a person can be a servant or a minister in all kinds of contexts. You can be one who serves in music. You can be one who serves in children's ministry. You can be one who serves in 
cleaning the church. You can be one who serves in the media. You can be one who serves in the office as a secretary. Um, There are so many different ways in which we are serving, and that's essentially what we are. We're servants. And even a minister, that's what that word means. It means servant. And that's what ministry is. It's service. And so um, some people, that is their, their heart's desire. They don't matter where, it doesn't matter where they're at or what's going on. They just want to get in the game. They just want to help. They just want to serve. I've known people like that. Um, and I hope to be that myself. I hope that's really the cry of all of our hearts. But there are some people, uh, they, it, they just light up. And anytime they can jump in and, and help get things done, that, that's where they're at. And so the next gift is helps. The gift of helps is, uh, again, close, closely uh, related to service, but it's a little more hands-on. And I know folks who have the gift of helps, they are the set-up, break-down, clean-up, build, tear-apart. Um, they, they are in their zone when they are able to uh, do uh, um, acts of, of helps. And so we see that happen in so many different ways when it comes to having events, setting up and breaking down, cleaning, different things like that. It's a very practical gift. It's a very necessary gift. All of these gifts are so necessary. All of these gifts are so important. And if we don't have these going on, then it's a problem. It creates issues in the church. Now, let me add to this. That's the list that I have for today. But I want to add to this just a handful of gifts that you don't necessarily see in the Bible, but I believe that are, that are gifts, and I think there are more. As I already mentioned, music. Music is certainly a, a gift. And there are some people that are especially gifted by God for music. But how about prayer? I mean, we're all called to pray, but there are those people, when they pray, you just wish they would never stop praying. It's beautiful, and it's glorious. And uh, you can tell that that is a very special ministry to them. It's a very special calling. There are so many things that perhaps they cannot do, but that's one thing they cannot do, I mean, that they can do, and it's all that they want to do, and they are prayer warriors. And thank God for the prayer warriors in His church. Amen? Hospitality. Hospitality, it's mentioned in the New Testament. It's not necessarily mentioned as a gift, but it means to entertain strangers or to love strangers. And the idea is... Uh, you know no strangers. When you see somebody you don't know, you embrace them, you love them, you make them feel welcomed, uh, you're able to serve them, and it's a very practical gift. I would say people who love to greet, people who love to cook, people who love to decorate, uh, all, all of those kinds of things fall into the hospitality gift. People that love to set up and break down at events and clean, all of that is necessary to be very hospitable to newcomers. Tech arts, this is more of a new need in, in, uh, in the church. Um, but now there's all kinds of lighting and sound and uh, different things that are happening, and there are people that are uniquely gifted in that way. I mean, I'm the last person that you would want to have messing with that kind of stuff. I stay as far away from it as possible. But there are people that this is their wheelhouse. They love it. They're gifted at it. And I believe that it's a gift that God gives. Even graphic design. People who do graphic design and things like that, again, that is a real gift. And we see that even in the Old Testament. Artistic gifts, when God was uh, giving them the blueprints, as it were, to build the, the, the uh, different artifacts and things for the, for the temple, He called a couple of men in particular and put His Spirit upon them and gifted them to be able to design and build these things. 
And so I believe that that is a gift that God gives. So any kind of artistic expression, uh, whether it's graphic design or, or music or, or song or whatever the case may be, it, it can be a gift from God. And so those are just some of the gifts. Not all of the gifts, and that was totally an overview. So much more that could be said about those gifts, but I just want to stir up within you a desire to understand what the gifts are. If you're walking in these gifts, praise God for that. Keep doing what you're doing. You may not know it, but you are such a blessing to the church. And it is so honoring and so glorifying to God. And we need you. And praise God for you. And if you aren't serving the Lord, if you're not using your gift, if you don't know what your gift is, just get in the game. Just start serving. Jump in somewhere and don't feel like you're signing your life away to that particular area. You can serve here for a little while, serve there, but you're going to find where you uniquely fit and where you really are a blessing to the church. So just get in the game and start serving the Lord and uh, move around and understand what your gift is. And I'll, I want to read this verse to you. We're going to begin to kind of wrap it up at this point. So I want to close with 1 Peter 4.10. And this is what Peter says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to, and here's the phrase, one another. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So he says here that each has received a gift. Each one has received a gift. Everyone in here, if you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you have a gift or multiple gifts. He says we are to minister. There's that word serve. We are to serve who? One another. How are we to do this? As good stewards. And so this idea of stewardship, uh, it might be lost to many of us what that, what that means, but it is to say you're in charge of something that's not yours. You're responsible for it. You are to take care of it. And you are to use it for the purpose that the person has given it to you for. But it's not necessarily yours. And so the gifts that have been given to us ultimately are God's. It's the gift that God has given you and He's given it to you for other people. And so that's why... I forgot to mention in the beginning, I titled this message, The Gifts That Keep On Giving. Because that's what it is. It's God's gift that is in our care, and we're to continually use them in blessing other people and giving to other people. So we are simply stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Does that make sense? And why that's important, guys, is because how dare we not use what God has given us if He gave it to us for us to use it for Him. And so we, we take what God has given us and then we just sit on it. Or we say, no, I'm not going to use that gift. Or that gift is not, that, not great. You know, it's not like that gift over there. It won't help anybody. Or oh, they're not going to be hurting or missing out if I don't use this gift. No one will even notice. No, 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 no. We cannot do that. We are stewards of God. He has given us this wonderful gift or multiple gifts and we are to use them. I mean, think about the parable of the talents. Jesus tells a story about three different stewards. Each was entrusted with a certain amount of goods, of, of wealth. And it was their job to invest that while the master was gone. And the first two servants did that. They invested, they made a profit, the master came back, and they gave it to him because it wasn't theirs in the first place. You see the parallel here? And so Jesus has gone away. He's given gifts to His church. We're called to use those gifts to invest in His kingdom while He's gone. And when He comes back, He's going to want an accounting. You know, we're going to be, uh, there's going to be this, this judgment that we, we've talked about before where God evaluates how we use the gifts that He gave us and if we used it for the right reasons, for His glory. 
And so this is a, a, a very holy and sobering reality. God has given us these gifts as stewards. We must use them for His glory. You remember the one servant didn't. He buried it in the ground, remember? And when the master returned, he was very displeased, greatly displeased. He was outraged. And so we don't want to be that servant. We want to be the servants that understand what God has entrusted to us, who are about the business of using those gifts. And then when the Lord returns, we'll be able to hear Him say, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a little. Enter into the joy of my kingdom. I just mixed up a couple of verses there, but you get the point. So, um, like I said with that servant, it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. He didn't have to bury his, his goods in the sand, in the ground. He could have invested in the Lord's kingdom. So I just want to say this. There is joy. There is joy in being used by the Lord. I have been used by the enemy, and I know what that is like. I think every one of us in here knows what that is like. I want to be used by the Lord, don't you? There is wonderful joy in being used by the Lord. God uses you to build God uses you to encourage. We know what the enemy uses us for. We know what the enemy came to do. To steal and to kill and to destroy. And we were servants of Him for far too long. Now we are servants of the Lord. And it's joyful to be used by Him because good comes from what God does through us when we will be used of Him. There is joy in blessing others. I've been on the other end of that far too long. I mean... In my past life, there were a lot of things people would call me, but a blessing is not one. Nowhere to be found on the list. And so there's great joy in being a blessing to other people. Is it not? And so there is joy in doing what you were created and gifted to do. Man, there is joy in doing what you were created and gifted to do. Ephesians 2.10 talks about that very thing. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He planned out beforehand. We all have gifts and good works that God has determined for us to walk in and to do for His glory. And it is joyful. It's a joyful thing. It's a blessed thing. And so I want to charge you here today. Get in the game. Use your gifts. Find out who you are in Christ and how God has uniquely wired and blessed you. And don't be ashamed of it. Get in the game and serve the Lord. There's nothing sweeter than that. All right, well, let's close here. I'm just going to pray for us and we will dismiss. Father, we love you. Praise you, God. Thank you for the gifts that you give your church. I pray for the people here today, Lord, that don't know their gifts. I pray that you would pour your spirit out upon them afresh and that they would begin to understand and seek after those gifts and to know what they are and to be able to use them for your glory. I thank You, Father, for the people that are using their gifts in the church and outside the church. I pray that You would continue to bless them, fill them up afresh, encourage them anew, that they would continue to use their gifts, God. And we thank You that You would do such a thing. You didn't have to use us, Lord, but You do. And we are so delighted to be used by You, Father. Use us more, God. Use us in greater ways. Get more glory for Yourself. Make a greater impact in the kingdom and upon Your church through us, Lord. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.